Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen, and hello, Rebecca, wherever you are. How are you doing? I'm great tonight, Susan. Thanks so much. How are you? Enjoying a, a little, looks like winter, getting some snow. 
and yeah, and some cold weather. Nice. We Very just nice. had that through here and collected about seven inches of snow. It looks very much like winter. It does, and it's it came down so softly that everything is beautifully outlined. Mm. It wasn't one of those snows with the wind and rattling the windows. It's just like snowflakes drifting down one after another, one after another. So every little mm. branch has a little pile of snow on it. So pretty. So pretty. So beautiful. And I've been uh, enjoying and um, benefiting from the many, many remedies of all kinds that uh, listeners and past apprentices and friends have sent. But I've especially been enjoying the honeys. Shiso honey and chocolate mint honey and osha root honey and elderflower honey and um, hawthorn berry honey. So many interesting honeys. Mm, phenomenal. What a collection. Yum. Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> and uh, I remember reading about the uh, people who were trying to figure out how these indigenous people kept insects away. And they were asking them about the plants. And they said, well, we use this plant and we put it in bear grease. And so the researchers looked into that plant and they couldn't find anything in the plant that seemed like an insect repellent. And so they went back and said, well, is there any other plant you use? They said, yeah, we use this one. We put it in bear grease and we rub it on ourselves. And again, they went to the lab and they looked at all the constituents of the plant and they really just didn't seem like it would repel insects. And they went back a third time. Now, if you are an astute herbalist, you already know what the answer to this story is. Mm-hmm. That is, it had nothing at all to do with the plant of spare grease. Right, right. And I think about how many herbal teas have made a name for themselves based on honey. Mm. And it's the honey. So when we infuse the plants into the honey and then use them throughout the winter months, especially the plants in the mint family, you know, sage honey and rosemary honey and lavender honey, mm, you know, all of those aromatic mints, the lemon balm honeys and the monarda honeys, right? What kind of aromatic mints? Mm. Did you make any mint honeys? I did not make any mint honeys. Well, I take that back. I made a sage honey this year. There you go. That was my own. Mm-hmm. 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 That's, that's, that's so classic, classic, right? And going into winter with sage honey on hand, of course, garlic honey can be made at any time. Just break the garlic cloves out of the bulb. You don't even have to peel the individual cloves. Put them in a jar and pour honey over it and let it sit, and it's ready to use within a day or two. 
Oh, wow. Wow. Thanks. Yeah. Yay for the herbal honeys. Yay for the honey. Thank you to all of the bees. Yes, big thank you to all the bees and all the beekeepers. Speaking of bees, tonight we get to talk with dear being, Delvin Sulkinson, a permaculture design teacher and plant person from a tiny village in British Columbia. He lives and works at the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors where we met. And he will be here at 9 o'clock my time, so stay with us or come back. You are going to be delighted and thrilled when you're here, Delvin, and what he has to share with you. Do we have any questions tonight? We do. We have, at this moment, two callers on the line with questions. We have many more callers that are on the line and have not yet raised their hands. So I just want to remind everyone that if you are on the line and you have a question for Susan, please press 1 on your telephone, and I will know to open the line so that you can ask your question. Um, And for now, we'll go to our first question, and that is coming to us from the 310 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Yes. Hello, Susan. Um, uh, I first of all just want to say I'm, I'm so grateful um, to all that you share and offer with us. I have learned so much from you just in the past um, year or so listening to your show, so thank you for that. Um, and what an honor it is to be talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So I'm going to go back um, about two weeks, which is when I started to not feel very well. Um, I started experiencing a very extreme uh, nausea um, accompanied by uh, some headaches uh, as well as muscle fatigue and some body aches as well. Um, I do drink uh, daily herbal infusions uh, and rotate them like you, like you suggest. Um, at this time, I didn't have a lot on hand, um, but I was trying to support myself uh, through, uh, I was drinking, um, not fennel tea, but it was another um, seed uh, that you recommend, and I can't think of it offhand, but um, in the same family as the... Um, oh, the same family. And cumin. Oh, yes. I, it was uh, the cumin seeds. Yes. So I was, drinking, I was drinking that, and that didn't seem to do very much. Um, and so I turned to pharmaceuticals um, because I started feeling worse and worse. Um, so I had um, a particular uh, anti-nausea medication, which um, I, I, I took several times without much help. Um, I thought perhaps it was migraines because that's sometimes accompanied by nausea. So um, I had a migraine medication that was prescribed. I took, tried taking that as well. Meanwhile, I was um, t- taking herbal infusion, uh, drinking herbal infusions simultaneous to this. Um, it lasted approximately five days, um, at which time I started to feel uh, better. Um, but then I was extremely uh, constipated. Um, it was at that time that um, 
I had my, my partner drive to the health food store and um, I, I managed to make some uh, slippery elm balls. I was able to get the, the powder. Um, I know you don't, you say not to do capsules, but they, they, they offered them only in capsules and I poured them out um, and I made some slippery elm balls uh, with, with the powder from the capsules, but I didn't take the capsules themselves. Um, so I started um, taking uh, slippery elm balls. I continued to drink, um, make cumin tea and drink that. Um, I also bought um, some yellow dock tincture from the store. I realized it's not great because it's grain alcohol, but that was all I had on hand. I didn't have really time to order it online because that would take days to arrive. So I did take some yellow dock tincture to support um, uh, and help to eliminate the constipation. Um, so that all was felt tolerable. Then approximately a week ago, um, I started having a very strange sensation, which was I felt like I was very full, um, but I had not eaten anything. So this was a, this started last Tuesday. Um, I believe probably from the yellow dock tincture, um, I did start to have regular bowel movements. So the constipation seemed to be relieved at that point. But um, I was experiencing, um, like I said, this very intense uh, full sensation. Like it was like I had eaten... Uh, way, way, way too much and was feeling very uncomfortable in my body, um, in my chest area, like a pressure, like I had eaten too much, but I had not eaten anything. Um, what then started to happen after, uh, and then I would try to eat and I would take one bite of a food, um, and, and I would be in excruciating pain. There was like, um, like a deep, like a, a pain sort of in my sternum area behind my, my chest bone, um, I ended up going to the emergency room, um, last Wednesday evening. Um, and they, uh, they ran some tests. They did an x-ray. They didn't seem anything abnormal. They just did blood work and an X, a chest x-ray and an abdominal x-ray. Um, they said they thought it might be esophagitis. Um, they, uh, prescribed me a, a protein pump inhibitor, which I know can cause problems, um, but at this point, I, I wasn't sure. I, I felt like it was fairly, um, I was in a lot of discomfort and pain. And so I, I just was sort of going along with what the Western medicine was, was telling me. So <clears throat> I started to take the protein pump inhibitor. I was also um, continuing to drink herbal infusions. So I, I began uh, marshmallow root infusion has been my go-to during this time. Um, I haven't been able to eat uh, any anything really solid because if I do it it causes a lot of pain and distress um so my partner has been pureeing uh soups like chicken and rice soup um she's able to put that in a blender and liquefy that um and I'm able to drink that very slowly but if it's too fast it, it I start to feel it feels quite uncomfortable um they then scheduled me for an endoscopy which I had this morning and um, meanwhile, so the pain um, and the discomfort has pretty much stayed relatively high over the past week. Um, it hasn't subsided. It hasn't gone down. And then finally, I had the endoscopy, um, which came out fine. They, they went in and they said, um, so they did a um, conscious sedation. Um, and they said everything looked, quote, unquote, good. Um, and that I was supposed to follow up with my primary care physician. Um, I came home, I rested uh, after when the sedation wore off, then I started to feel the pain. Um, so 
another thing I would like to add is the pain and the pressure in my chest. Um, I know it's not heart related or it doesn't seem to be if I, if I hadn't had a EKG several times in the past week at the emergency room and then also today um, at the endoscopy, I would think that I would, if I didn't have the digestive symptoms as well with the food, heart uh, being able to not eat, um, I would, I would think it might be a heart attack because it, it's a very severe kind of pain and tightness and pressure sensation in my chest. Um, now, the, and the final thing I would like to add, which is something very strange that happened, um, I think it was a couple of nights ago, um, where I had this sensation where it almost felt like my chest was being pumped full of, of air. Um, it, it felt very bloated, but it wasn't bloated in the sense of like my lower intestinal area. This was up high, um, sort of either in my stomach region or perhaps above my stomach region, sort of behind my rib cage. Um, and it, 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 it was such a sensation. I can't, it, it's hard to put to words, but the only thing I could think to describe, first of all, my whole body was feeling um, um, like, like almost like I had been put my, my finger in an electric outlet. It was very, uh, not tingling so much, but just a very strange sensation almost like electricity was buzzing inside of me. And then another thing was my chest, it felt like um, very, like something was really not right. And at some point I wasn't really able to walk. I, I almost ended up going back to the ER, but I, I didn't end up doing it because this, this ended up subsiding, the sensation. But this, it, it felt like someone was like took a bicycle pump and just put it into my chest and was just filling up my, my chest cavity with air, it didn't look um, distended, but it almost was like my chest felt as if it were distended. So I think that that's um, a pretty full explanation of, of what's been happening to me. And I would, I would love to hear your thoughts or anything that you have that in mind as I'm as I'm explaining this. In abundantly well, the seven medicines. I start with serenity medicine. So let's start there. What daily serenity medicine practice do you engage in? Um, that is a good question. <laughs> um, I, I haven't been. Uh, I do have your book, and I must admit that um, I haven't. I, I've been sort of looking here and there throughout. But um, throughout the past week, I have been um, – using your affirmation, uh, which, you know, since I haven't been feeling well, uh, and that is, um, and I, I don't know if this is your exact words, but, um, I sort of inter and took your words and changed them. And, and I said, um, I've been saying every, every day and in every way I am, I am moving toward greater wholeness and healing. So that is something that I, I haven't been doing before all of this started, but I have been incorporating that, um, since, since all of these symptoms began. That's, that's wonderful. <clears throat> that's mind medicine. Okay. okay. Serenity medicine doesn't have a goal. Okay. In serenity medicine, we can't get better because we're already perfect. So I'm asking you what you do on a regular daily basis to allow yourself to experience the perfection that you are mm. without a goal without a need to change 
Do you have some examples? Because I'm not sure if I do this or not. (laughs) Sit outside under a tree. Just sit there. Meditate. Turn off your phone for an hour. Take a hot bath. There are about 50 examples in the book. Mm-hmm. And, it's, um, and it's the first yeah. thing we do. And if we haven't done it initially, we want to go back to it. So one of the things that I see is that sometimes people feel like Maybe it's like a little guilty that they used drugs or went to the emergency room. And so they, I don't know, maybe they think they like don't deserve then to use herbs. But of course, nothing could be further from the truth. And that they don't deserve to um, go back, you know, even across the gap. But that's ideal. That's exactly what we want to do is if we have to go across the gap, if we have to use alternative medicine or pharmaceutical medicine or high-tech medicine, um, then we want to take ourselves back across the gap and to have our serenity practices. Story medicine. So you have been wisely telling yourself the story that something might be wrong and you better check it out. There's never a problem with that story. However, what you're being told is there's nothing wrong. Do you agree with that? I feel like my body is telling me otherwise. What is your body telling you? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Mm, I understand. So it's not important that it's in words. It can come in images, in dreams, right? Story medicine is about the story. Mm. And when we are looking for a story, it sometimes seems easiest just to go to the white-coated shamans and say, oh, use your magic tools and say, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. So that you can fix it. But it doesn't always work. And those magic tools, of course, have repercussions. As do the magic drugs. So we want to go back to serenity medicine, story medicine, and mind medicine, and lifestyle medicine. And to choose how we use those things in our lives to create our lives 
one path that's open is to say modern medicine has not been able to find anything organically wrong with me. Therefore, it is safe for me to take the time I need to listen to myself and find out what I'm being told before I take any action. Hmm. And you can certainly set a time limit. If you say, well, I need to know more, I, you know, I'm willing to submit to more invasive, invasive tests in pursuit of something being wrong, um, and I will do that after this amount of time has passed that I haven't come any closer to understanding what's going on. Mm-hmm. But you may not wish to do that. Again, it's a somewhat gray area because I don't know you well enough to know if the medical establishment is missing something or if they're correct. And it's really safe for you to accept their lack of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much, I would say, the first thing that you need to find out from yourself, from your body, from your psyche. What kind of time limit do we have here? How long do we have mm-hmm. for me to find out what's going on here? Okay. Symptoms, as you say, sound like a lot of things. However, I believe what you're being told is that those symptoms are primarily what we would call an overwrought nervous system. And this is one of the reasons why serenity medicine is so important in this situation. Because your nervous system, to me, is calling out for quiet periods of rest without any thought, without any goal, without any need or pressure. I definitely have not been doing that. <laughs> so, yeah. Would you do me the favor of calling back in a couple of weeks and letting me know what's going on? I absolutely will. Thank you. I um, it's it. been such a pleasure and an honor. And I, again, just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart um, for speaking with me tonight and also just for all that you do. It's really been such a gift. Um, I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night.
Okay, our next caller is calling in from the 207 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hey, Susan. Good night. Uh, how, how are you doing tonight? Hi, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing fine. Uh, so this is Miles. I called in uh, last week with the uh, the heartburn yes. issue. I don't know if you recall. And so just uh, reporting back, and the uh, the plot kind of gets thicker. Um, the the suggestion you had with the um, slippery elm it, it did um, it did help to some extent. Um, however, um, the the heartburn hadn't really it's really acid reflux it just hasn't gone away um and you know maybe it's like an an admission of my own naivete um i hadn't really thought uh i i contracted covid um at the end of uh december and uh the last week and um i hadn't really thought that there may be some kind of um connection because it's kind of coincidental i get to contract COVID and uh, and then all of a sudden have this bout with um, pretty severe bout with uh, acid reflux for now uh, almost two weeks and um, I began kind of poking uh, online and um, you know there are other folks reporting uh, things like that and uh, my partner had um, actually given me something uh, written up by uh, Stephen Booner that was um, eye-opening. Um, in many ways, um, so I'm wondering do t- if there's do some. Tell. Tell, what hmm? did you learn from the article by Stephen Booner? I'm fascinated. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I mean, just kind of um, for me, it was just to see, kind of, it was eye-opening to see what some of the potential long-term side effects are from getting uh, this virus. That was, and how it's so. Um, different for different people. Yeah. Um, and you know, I. Did you did you have a severe case? Were you hospitalized? Uh, no, no, no. I actually it was it was fairly mild. Um, I was, uh, you know, I had the loss of te- uh, taste and uh, and smell. I was also, um, I I did have quite a bit of shortness of breath at times, but it was. Yeah. Uh, it was it was kind of uh, that and that that was really about it, um, and that went on for a week or so. And uh, but it was every day it was a little bit different, you know. Um, one day you had severe shortness of breath, and it was you know it, it would last nearly all day, and then the next day it would kind of come in waves. Um, the only thing that was consistent was the lack of taste and smell, but. Um, but yeah, no, no, I, I really didn't have any, uh, you know, moderate to severe case. I, mm-hmm. I didn't have one like that. So mm-hmm. you yeah. did have symptoms, but they were symptoms that you could cope with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, and I, I did not actually get a confirmed positive test, but um, my partner that I'm living with uh, got similar symptoms a few days after I started showing them and uh, she had tested positive. Um, so it's, you know, I mean, it's a, uh, we, we can assume that I most likely had it and brought it into our home. Um, 
so a very prob highly probable case, even though it was not actually confirmed via test. But, Let me ask you this about your acid reflux. Yeah. Is there any food that helps prevent it or any food that triggers it? Any time I eat or drink, there's um, it, it, it flares back up. So sometimes it's more severe uh, than other times. I've completely uh, avoided uh, any type of acidic foods because um, that really, you know, any, tomatoes, any kind of citrus, um, that uh, that really kind of brings it up. So I've really just avoided a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but any anything that I'm that I'm ingesting, and you know that that goes for fluids too. If I drink too much liquid, mm-hmm. um, you know that's that's something that. Well, I'm that I'm wondering about things like milk, ice cream. I I have not uh, I have not gone there uh, yet, just because I've been. Yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm just a little anxious about just trying a bunch of different things but you know at this point it might be worth bringing something like that into my diet but um no i have i haven't done any milk or ice cream yet anything like that mm-hmm. that's my sense is that if we go on the theory that viruses are genetic downloads that they help us to evolve and to change, then we could say that you've been reborn in a way. Mm-hmm. And you need to return to mother's milk mm-hmm. in order to give your body the opportunity to reset itself. Well, you know, that's an interesting that's an interesting point and I was your uh your last caller was talking you you had brought up uh, practicing uh I think you called it serenity medicine and kind of like uh trying to figure out what what is it that your body's telling you. And you know, throughout this whole thing um it's been it's been kind of uh stepping back and realizing what I'm putting into my body not and how I'm going about consuming things. Um, it's been kind of eye-opening that respect because now I'm much more cautious about, you know, how I proceed. Um, so looking at it in terms of a rebirth, um, that's an interesting point. Mm-hmm. But, you think mil- but you think milk in particular? I think milk in particular. Any reason? And especially, especially milk in the form of ice cream. One of the um, best forms. You know, what be, What would be ideal is milk from a cow on pasture yeah. Yeah. that's kept as organically as possible. What's ultra yeah. ideal is that you know the cow and it's raw milk. But ideal is good enough. And most stores now carry Organic milk from pasture cows. Yeah, I'm in one of those situations where I have that. I I basically know the cows. So perfect. Yeah. 
even better. Yeah. And if the thought of a nice cold glass of milk with a chocolate chip cookie does not thrill you, there was always hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Well, you see, this is you know, it, it, this is one of those things that um, uh, the internet's one of those dark places. But it, uh, chocolate in the form of like some kind of caffeine seemed like it was an irritant. Some people were saying that that can be an irritant. There's no so caffeine in chocolate. No. Hmm. Okay. They're related compounds, but they're not like caffeine. As a matter of fact, hot chocolate is a soporific. It puts people to sleep. Well, I think I can go. I can. I can definitely try that out then with the milk. Yeah, when I make hot chocolate, of course, I have organic, non-alkalized cocoa powder. I put a couple mm-hmm. of tablespoons. I have organic, you know, raw sugar. I put a couple of tablespoons, stir them together, add my goat's milk, make myself a cup of hot chocolate. But again, the usefulness of these things does not mm, depend on it being ideal or ultra-ideal. What we want to avoid, of course, is a package that you tear open and dump into your mouth called hot chocolate. That's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's loaded with all kinds of things you, Other do things, want, yeah. things you don't want to be consuming. Sure. Well, um people look at me and go, sugar? You put sugar in your hot chocolate? You say, I better put sugar in my hot chocolate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a firm believer in sugar. Not a lot, but there's nothing wrong with occasional sugar in your diet. Yeah, no, just enough. But I'm curious, what, is, what milk, of all things, though, why, why milk? It's the ideal food. Mm-hmm. What is the most sacred thing in India? I Yeah, I wouldn't know. The cow. The cow. You would yeah. know, wouldn't you? <laughs> Every picture you've seen of India, there are cows. And Krishna, the herder, often considered the good boy. Milk is Rasayana an indicator of longevity. Okay. Well, I mean, it's definitely worth uh, a shot here for some relief. Um, uh, I don't know if there's any other... You said you are working with Supreo? Yeah, so so I I've been I've been uh, I can give you a little bit of info about what I have been taking other than slippery on as well. Um, well, first of all, tell me how you've been taking the slippery on. So um, I have the powder, and mm-hmm. so I've been mixing with honey, and mm-hmm. so I make the little balls, and mm-hmm. um, I've been just putting that in the mouth uh, whenever I tend to get a flare up. So. Mm-hmm. And um, do you like? L- Put it in your cheek so that it dissolves slowly over a period of 10 yeah. to 20 minutes. Okay, good. Yeah. So you're just dripping that down in there as much as you possibly can. Great. And then the other things you've used are? Um, well, I 
I should say I had to take um I had tried Tums and uh, Pepto Bismol mm-hmm. for early on and that really didn't have any effect. And then so last week, I think uh, maybe the day after I had talked to you, um, because it was severe, I tried Prilosec, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm not particularly keen on doing that, but um I, I took it for five days and the uh it some of the symptoms did subside but it you know it's still lingering and so I stopped doing it two days ago because I'm just not keen on um really changing the chemistry of my uh stomach like that. That um, sounds wise. Well you That's know, very I mean, wise. And you know, again, one of the things that I find and one of the reasons that I find you very wise is that people try a little of this, doesn't work, try a little of that, doesn't work, try a drug, doesn't work, but keep taking the drug. So it's very wise to say, you know, I didn't, it, it didn't work. It didn't work, it's not going to work. And let me double down on the other things I'm doing. Let me double down on my story medicine. And so one of the things you and I are doing is perhaps creating a slightly different story, a story of your being one of the many human beings who have been selected, selected themselves to be part of this genetic change. And let's support your body as it moves into this. And you were going to tell me the other things you were using. Oh, um, Besides the Tums and the Prilosec, yeah, are there any other yeah, herbs yeah. or anything um, like that? So, so I've been taking nearly daily uh, comfrey infusions, drinking those, um, which mm-hmm. is you know, always a good... Uh, water is good, but it's a good kind of substitute for the water because it has that... So, especially, hot, especially hot with a little bit of honey. And if you have it, sage honey. Oh, uh, no, we are out of sage honey now at this point. Um, but, yeah, that that would be good. Note to um, yourself, make more sage honey next fall. Yeah, yeah, I guess i got to do that. <laughs> if you're um, out by January, you need to make a lot more. That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been taking, uh, right now all I have is um, marshmallow root in capsule form. And so mm-hmm. I have, you know, because I have a few other things I'll, I'll talk about, but I just wanted to ask you um, first. In the last, uh, the last caller said something about I, ca- I caught how you don't recommend capsulized uh, powdered p- powdered herbs. herbs I, I was just herbs, curious. Herbs in capsules. Yeah, are the yeah, most, yeah. Are the most expensive. Okay. Least effective and most dangerous way to use herbs. Okay. Is there now, is there now, a, a, a elm is stable when it's powdered, but many other herbs aren't. And a slippery elm can work just by being deposited into the gut through a capsule because you're not actually... I'm doing this with marshmallow. I just want to make sure. The marshmallow. You're not actually asking your body to digest it. Uh, The reason that we put things in capsules is to prevent them from being digested. That's why we put drugs in capsules and tablets. Because once they're digested, they're not effective anymore. Mm. But herbs, which are food, require digestion in many instances in order to be effective. 
Both the marshmallow and the slippery elm contain substances that are just water-soluble, and they will be extracted from those herbs in your digestive system, so it's okay. Okay. So I've been taking the, the, the marshmallow root capsules as that's what I have at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And there was some relief with that at times. I'd usually take it kind of right before I start eating. Mm. Um, Do you have any dandelion I've, preparations? Um, I have tincture. Uh, can we? Because dandelion, dandelion, dandelion just before you eat is also said to be highly effective. Oh, uh, okay, right before you eat dandelion. Okay. Yeah, I have... I mean, I, I have like some. I think we have some vinegars and wines and stuff. But I'm. You know, you're I don't avoiding know. the acid, and I'm not saying naked. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think that one of these herbs needs to be your ally, and that you need to really ask it to head up the effort to normalize. Your stomach acid. Maybe dandelion, maybe marshmallow, maybe slippery elm. I don't know. Well, you know, I, I know I've been taking a lot. I have two others, too. You know, if you don't Go mind, ahead. I'll just... Yeah, yeah tell so me. I've been taking an, an occasional, uh, drinking an occasional uh, licorice root tea, which is delicious and also uh, pretty effective. Um, Good. And just kind of, right. kind of getting that. that. And uh, the last one that has, I guess, if you're talking allies, that's been a daily user. And I know it's kind of, uh, you know, it can be kind of inflammatory at times. I've been just uh, sucking on a piece of ginger root. Um, and that mm. has really. Oh, lovely. So, How wonderful. Ginger milk. Ginger milk. Yes. Infuse some ginger in some milk. Oh, okay. That sounds kind of good. Yeah. 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 All right. There's no deep problem here. The supportive and loving things that you're doing are all really that you need to do. And it will because you want it to, and because your body wants it to, will settle down and normalize. Yeah, well, that's the, you know, that's the goal. And um, it has actually, this is the first time I've ever done something like this. So it's been pretty interesting to and let's, uh, let's get introduced to all of these herbs and see how they kind of right. work. Let's also talk a little bit more about um, acids. Fruits okay, are loaded with acid. Oh, acids. Okay. Okay, so if you're doing a low-acid diet, it's usually a low or no-fruit diet. Yeah. And raw foods tend to be more acidic than cooked foods. Mm-hmm. In general, you know, when you're having digestive problems, especially if they're so severe, what I like to see people do is to go back to milk and to grain, because grain is the milk of the earth. Mm. 
and some whole grain cooked well and cooked very soft. Yeah. Easy yeah. to digest. Something like rice pudding, of course, is perfect because it's the milk and the grain. Yeah, Especially if you make it yourself. And say a little blessing over it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I will try that. That's, I mean, I do, I've been eating a lot of grains, but the milk, the addition of milk to the diet is something that I hadn't considered. So, um, you know, I, yeah. I'm interested in this, what is this infusion of, of uh, ginger milk? How do you prepare that? That sounds kind of interesting. Well, I don't yeah, want to try that. Grate or slice the ginger and yeah. add it to a cup of milk and heat it up until the milk is warm. Heated. And then okay. add a little bit of honey. And you can let it let the ginger steep in it, depending on how much ginger thing you want. Okay. So it's like just right? making a ginger tea. That was my big thing is are you heating it up or is this a cold type infusion? Heating it up, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Thanks for your call. Will you also call back in a couple yeah. of weeks? Let us know what's going on. Uh, yeah, definitely. Thanks for your time, and You'll have talk. a good night. Good night. Great blessing. Right. <laughs> okay. At this time, we have one more caller with their hand raised, and we have several more callers on the line. So I'd like to remind everyone: if you have a question, please remember to press star one, or just one, sorry, on your keypad, and I'll open the line for your question. Uh, and our next caller is calling from the 413 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hi, Susan. This is Leela. Hi, Leela. <laughs> Hi. Oh, this is beautiful. I'm loving sitting here and getting ready to be able to connect with you and feeling so much vibrancy in life and gratitude for you. Mm, I love you so. I'm so glad that you're there. <laughs> Me as well. So um, I've been having a bunch of clotting during my moon. And um, it's been in the bleeding time lasts quite long, like, even on day nine or ten, often I'll still wipe and there's blood. And um, towards the end, there's often some purple or brown. Um, and this has been going on for about a year. I'm three and a half months postpartum. Uh, I mean, three and a half years. I'm going to say, wait a second. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and we moved about the time when this started to uh, – there's a mobile home park in Colorado here, and we had a mobile home built because the lot that was available for us didn't already have a home on it, so we had to have one built. And, um, yeah, moved in at that time, and I was really nervous about moving into a place with new paint and all the things, especially mobile home quality. We asked them to use low VOC paint and materials. That was, like, an, something they offered. Um, and so I don't know. but And I did my best to 
whether they used it, I actually don't know because they've been so not re like responsible about many other things in this home. Um, anyway, I did air it out for like, it was a good four months before we moved in airing it out and fans and I keep the window open a lot anyway while I'm in the house winter now. So it's a little bit less easy to do that um, often, but I do have a suspicion that it has to do possibly with some of the chemicals just affecting my hormones. Um, and I uh, went, I had a, I was just checking in with a friend and she's a functional medicine person and was like, well, there are these tests you can get to test your body through urine to see if you have a, like a significant level of some of these toxins in your body. So I was thinking, hmm, okay, well, that's interesting. Um, and then another thing is I did see an acupuncturist and she was giving me various things to help open and clear and um, the, the tube is how she called it. <laughs> and um, she, but nothing was effective. I was looking there for like for four months and literally nothing at all changed. And so I'm taking a different tact. Um, and I did have an ultrasound to check things out and they saw buildup, what they thought might be, but it wasn't a diagnosis, just possibly adenomyosis, which is the, like there's tissue growing there's um, endometrial tissue growing into the uterine wall a little bit. They said that can also just happen postpartum and it can resolve on its own. And um, there's like some extra debris maybe from bleeding, like maybe at birth kind of idea. So that's the information that I have right now. And I'd love any wisdom you might have to shine on the situation. Interesting forays into the heroic tradition. <laughs> Indeed. Both in your own mind and in the practitioners that you've sought out. Mm -hmm. That is, of course, the essence of the heroic way of thinking. Something is happening to my body. It must be caused by a toxin. I will have to find a way to eliminate this toxin if I want to be well. And of course, functional medicine I often call old wine in new bottles. It's the same same old, same old heroic antitoxin thing, but prettied up with modern new age tests. So we're not just going to give you seaweed to clear heavy metals and radioactivity out of your body, we are going to be able to tell you which of the thousands of different chemicals that are in your blood is causing your problem. Not. What clears those out of your body, Leela? What clears toxins out of my body? Yeah. <laughs> your your well, liver, right? Yeah, yes. I have been welcomed to the Your liver, so we need look no further. If you believe that something is going on because of some chemical, then support your liver. When I was in the hospital, they gave me ugly drugs, very, very 
only drugs, and I'm still taking dandelion because I still want to support my liver even eight months later. I'm so sorry they give you those ugly drugs. Please forgive me here. Have a little dandelion. I love you. Mm. Uh, Now, I do not in any way connect what you're describing with hormones. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. But if it was connected to hormones, and that's part of your story, that it's connected to hormones, it would be your liver we would want to support, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that makes it easy. Mm-hmm. In what fact, do you connect it with? <laughs> what I connect with is um, that your uterus is not at ease. There's a lack of tone there. An extended period is usually because the uterus is not strong enough to push the endometrium out. Or if there's adenomyosis or fibroids can't push the lining out but usually that causes more heavy bleeding than extended bleeding and extended bleeding especially which kind of trails off into dark blood that dark blood is just oxidized blood it's not like Blood has different colors. That's heroic again, isn't it? We're going to get the bad blood out of your body, Leela. No, it's your regular old blood. But what happens to blood when it hits, when it stands around in oxygen? It turns brown. That's why they add nitrates to meat to keep it red. So. It's not like there's some toxin coming out of your body or your uterus when you see that darker colored blood or when you see the clots. The clots, again, are blood, endometrial tissue that has been um, worked on enough by the uterus to be pushed off the uterine wall but hasn't had enough push to get out through the cervix yet. Mm-hmm. And so it pooled long enough to clot. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get a cut and it bleeds, it will form a clot. It's not like that clot was inside you and pushed its way out, right? Mm-hmm. You understand the mechanism of blood clotting. It's not because there's a toxin in your body and there's anything wrong with your hormones. It's because your uterus isn't working strongly. Hmm. What are some herbs that are good uterine tonics? Raspberry leaf. I've started to bring her in some more. Yeah. And, um... I have asked previous to that. I have been asking Dandelion to help. Oh, Dandelion's a 
Wonderful. Yes, absolutely. Because, and, you know, we were already talking about the liver. And uh, mm-hmm. dandelion being a root, right, has um, phytosterols. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Now, does, do you think that there's some problem that's being missed here? Um, with my body or in what we're discussing yeah. now? With your, yeah. Do you, do you think there's some physical thing? Do you think there's like a some the beginning of endometrial cancer or something serious? I don't have that sense. Okay. Then let's proceed. So that isn't happening. And that what we need to do is to um, not worry about those kinds mm-hmm. of things and to strengthen you. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about liver, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perhaps you want to buy some organic liver and eat it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like you to claim the space you're living in in some way, some ritual way. Mm-hmm. There was a woman in my class 40 years ago. And I realized at some point that something really serious was wrong. It was just kind of gradually dawned on me from just a few subtle hints. And she allowed me to work with her. She had an infection in her foot and it had actually gone into the bone. And at the point at which I realized that something was going on, they were talking about amputating her foot because of this infection in her bone. And she had a spina bifida. And she hated her body and she did not want to be in her body at all. Mm. And I said, you know, it doesn't work that way. You're going to lose your body piece by piece. Mm. If you keep hating it, you're living here. You have to welcome it, even if it seems like it's not ideal. That's one of our themes tonight, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. not ideal, or even ultra-ideal. Sometimes it's, that's as good as it's going to get. Mm-hmm. So I really want you to welcome yourself and your family to this place and welcome the place into your family. You are living there, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's stop yeah. being at war. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, one of the things that I most cherish is a beautiful medicine wheel of plant uses drawing that you left for us. And your daughter mm-hmm. is just at the right age to do art therapy with you. Mm-hmm. 
when I was so upset about my land partners leaving me, I did art therapy, and at one point, in real despair, I took the implement I was drawing with and put a hole in the paper. Mm. And then, of course, I was like, instantly contrite, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And the art therapist was great. She said, it is better to put a hole in your paper than to put a hole in yourself. Mm. Yeah. I still cherish her words. Thank you, Susan. That has really hit home on so many levels. I feel it really deeply. Welcoming myself into my home is a huge thing for me. And, um, and yeah, the heroic tradition, it's really so prevalent and in my life, too, in the study. I've gone on and studied a lot of Tibetan medicine, and, you know, my there's so much wise woman understanding at the base that there's tons of heroic ideas in it and it really I mean you know it, it does show it reflects that I really have like allowed a lot of that conditioning into my psyche so it really resonates yes hmm. yeah yeah thank you for your wisdom you are welcome. I was just updating everyone in my address book, and the last thing I sent to you came back to me. So get me your new address, please. Okay. All right. <laughs> if you'd like to continue to get my address book, you don't have to be. It's not a command. It's a request. <laughs> you want me to give you my address? <laughs> not, over the, not over the phone. Just get it to me somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay, good. Totally. All right. Happy love you. Bye. Really, yes, love you. Love you. Okay, we have had a couple more callers. Uh, let me know that they have questions by pressing number one. And our next caller is calling in from the 401 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm having a good time tonight. How about you? I'm good. I'm hoping you can help me. Um, I'm in a little bit of a situation where um, I know that you don't like to give secondhand advice, but I have a friend who is a young lady. She just turned 18, and she has debilitating anxiety. I talked to her about calling in, but she is afraid of people hearing her on the you know, radio and such. So she Have you offered her mother work? Yes, and it's motherwort, you know, it's been motherwort every time she's kind of uh, gone into a, a panic. And I'm wondering, is there anything she can do daily, or would motherwort be okay to do every morning? Oh, my goodness. I day? have apprentices who carry motherwort around in their pocket and take it every five minutes. Are you kidding? Okay. All right. So she can use it to that capacity. She can use it as a preventative as much as, a, um, you know, in the moment. Yes. Okay. All right. Very good. And and as much as she needs, how yeah. you know? You don't have to take a whole dropper full at a time. You can take just a few drops. You know. Yeah. But you yeah. don't she's, necessarily she's even have to in your mouth. Sometimes you can just put it on your wrist, and that works too. Yeah. 
Okay. She's very new to, I'm her only mm-hmm. herbalist person in her life. So, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm giving her all that I know, but she also has moments where she just also would like rather be in a hospital where she feels safe and someone's watching her all the time too. So it's, you know, it's, it's very, it's stressful because she's a great, she's a great lady. And, you know, I it's just, I feel it's crippling. A, it's it is. a variety of egotism. Yeah. Yeah. Wanting, all, always to be at, wanting always to be at the center of attention. Yeah. She had a lot of she had a difficult childhood too. And I think there's some, a lot of PTSD involved. In, in, you I know. totally understand. And childhood is stressful. Yeah. yeah so. I don't think but I've ever met didn't have a difficult childhood. Some more difficult than others. But Mother Wart is a wonderful True. ally for her. Okay. And that would be All the right. go-to. Great. Thank you so much. Green blessing. Green blessing. Good night. Take care. So we've got about 22 minutes or so before we get to talk with Delvin Sulkinson and his visionary permaculture. Do we have more questions? Uh, right now, we do not have a question that is live in the queue. We do have a question that has come in. Oh, there we go. The hand came back. We do have a question in the queue, so I will open the line for the caller in the 352 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Carol. How are you? Hi, Carol. I'm doing well. And you? I'm doing great. I'm uh interesting to listen to that lady in, in the heroic that heroic tradition it gets a hold of these 20s and 30 year olds I mean because they're making money and they're all very progressive and it's a tough one to, to help people hone down on that tradition because they think they're going wise woman you know well they think they're being alternative at least exactly yeah, and a lot of the vegan, the vegan movement, and the heavy juicing, and and even my children were raised on, you know, herbs and the whole wise woman tradition. Now that, that they they feel like they're bringing it to the next level, even though we've talked about it, it's still. I think though they have to experience it to to yes. see. Of course, we do. Yes, human beings. So, love to try it out ourselves. We got to learn, live and learn. That, there you go. Blessings on them all. Man, so let's talk about watercress a little bit. Oh yes! Oh, one of my favorite plants. I love watercress. And uh, my I daughter just came over with some watercress that she got at the supermarket. Oh. <laughs> It's so much fun to find, and that the fact that it's in the supermarket, oh, it's crazy. But so, tell me your favorite ways of working with that. I like pesto, and I, I like to, you know, wilt it with some potatoes, maybe or something. But talk, what do you think? It's all good. What she and I did was to chop it up and chop it up with some arugula and put some. Um, herbal uh, vinegar. As a matter of fact, we used some maitake vinegar that we made this summer and some tamari and uh, olive oil and um, some cheese on it and eat it. And then you eat it. And then we ate it. The, the, 
the first time I ever got introduced to it was from some Mennonites in Hagerstown, Maryland. And she used to make this mixture of peanut butter mayonnaise, and then she chopped bok choy and watercress and mix all that together. It was so good. I was like, what is this? Peanut butter and mayonnaise and watercress? Oh, <laughs> wow, that is really outrageous. <laughs> it was just mayonnaise, like, or she made it herself. It was still, it was crazy delicious. <laughs> but that woman was 300 pounds. <laughs> uh, you know, I was going to say, peanut butter and mayonnaise, now that is a good way to gain weight if you're looking to gain weight. <laughs> <laughs> True be that. Well, I uh, just couldn't sit in the class without raising my hand, especially if there's nobody else raising their hand. I, I, I got to stand I, in. I so appreciate that you did. <laughs> All right. Looking forward to the guest speaker. Uh, yes, Delvin Solkinson, um, you know, one of the real delights of uh, having uh, exchanges with Delvin is that he has spent time finding beautiful quotes, and when he sends you an email, there's always this amazing quote at the beginning of it, and then he, like, you know, does whatever he's going to email you about. And then at the end, there's another amazing quote. So one always looks forward to Delvin's emails. And that's not something that we can use well, about most looking people's emails. An email. It's like, whoa, yeah. yeah. It progressed past emails. Whoever gets a letter is, a, like, wins the lottery. <laughs> uh, yep. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm going to tell you one, either a, a funny thing or this great score that I made this week. I found this book called The Art of Surgical Technique in a, in a Goodwill thing, 25 pounds of books for $30 or something. And this book was worth $900 on Amazon, and I, when I, it was just, it's so hand-illustrated that it, and a monkey could do the surgery that this thing how, shows you how to explain. It's wonderful. Oh my the goodness! Art of surgical technique. Yeah, it's beautiful. Wow. It was written in the 1930s. It's just phenomenal. Um, but here's my next thing for you. So I'll take may my grandson. You never have to use it, and I'm so glad you have it. Oh man, I never have to use it. Maybe on a bird or a roadkill, but still, it's fascinating. <laughs> I, I just the human anatomy. It's just, yeah, it's like a machine, but you got to get into the, anyways, it's good conversation piece anyways. It is indeed. But actually, you know, machines are replicable, and you can, you know, ah. um, you can depend on them in a way that you can't depend on bodies which are variable and individual. Mm. Right. And oh, so, man. While there is a certain grace that we can get from considering the body as a machine, um, we lose something very important when we do that as well. So let's let's keep both ways of looking at ourselves, that we can be machines, but that we are also far more than machines most of the time. Perhaps that's the kindergarten way of looking at it. Um building upon a concept, upon a concept. On the concept, yes, that we are machines. Uh, it's the, or the, it's, 
it's you know it's how it's how science has you know said well if we're machines we can just replace take this person's heart and give it to this other person well, maybe and in that works. form. I'm saying, it's amazing. What do you think huh? about it? True, be that. In yeah. Terms of the machine, maybe the me- mechanic, the mechanisms of how this pumps into that, and how this pumps into that muscle, which goes to a ligament, which gets to a bone. Right. You're know, like, yeah, you know, it's all connected together. Mechanisms. So cool, huh? Wow. It is. <laughs> what a pleasure to talk to you. You too. Thanks for calling in. Great blessings. Good night. Great blessings. Okay, we have had another caller raise their hand by pressing 1, and they are calling from the 252 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hi, Susan. Good evening. Good evening. Um, Hi. I had a cat diagnosed with breast cancer yesterday. And... It looks like palliative treatment is the call here. Um, it's a radical surgery that doesn't have much much of a good prognosis. Um, so I was wondering, is there anything that might slow the growth of this? She's very unaffected. She's completely happy and content. Her second nipple on the right has a mass, and they said that it will travel through the mammary system, and um, it will you know, there'll come a time where we're going to say, okay, move to the lung, and she's probably not breathing like she should be. And, and is there any way, if she's a healthy, happy animal today, for me to prolong that? Definitely. And the most important way is that you envision that. Okay. Now, you have accepted the story that they told you that this will travel and kill her, but you don't have to accept that story. Because if you were to ask them, does this happen 100% of the time, they would have to admit to you, well, no, it doesn't happen 100% of the time. They don't want to give you false hope, and that's reasonable. But much hope is false, and that's reasonable too. So you could, if you want, have the story that for one reason or another, this particular cancer isn't going to do that. Okay. And you may I be wrong. Like and that it, would uh, work. I, it, it, right? That it, you may be wrong and maybe it will kill her, but if you're right, well, gee, what fun. Yeah. And I know that you've in the past said that cats don't tolerate tinctures well, and I, I have a cattery. I have a community cat sanctuary situation um this is a rescue that came from our shelter because um somebody who was going into assisted living had to surrender her and she's not a cat that i've had since a kitten i got her about middle age um and i I do i have to do a lot of virus control because i end up with the cats that have the herpes virus or the khaleesi virus or the sick ones and i do use tinctures with the cats and i find that if i put you know five drops of something in a quarter can of cat food they wolf it and then i get the benefit (laughs) of the medicine um, and, and so Thank it's, you it's for sharing that. Um, it's important to know. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, what, where I'm going with that is I have turkey tail tincture. Should I, uh, should I try administering something like that? Sure. You can also 
powder it and put it powdered in her food. Yeah. Okay. I do. I have it both ways. Um, and and what would I look for in would it be something that could slow the spread or reduce the size or I mean the the tumor she's not bothered by it at all and it is this kind of pebbly thing that's around one of her nipples. Um, it's not. He felt like her lymph nodes were good. Said, and it's true, is that no one has ever died of breast cancer. So the breast okay. cancer has to metastasize. Okay. And, and he felt like her lymph nodes and the rest of the mammary is, system was okay. Turkey tail is said to both directly affect the death of the cancer and to prevent metastasis. Oh, all right. So then that's a no-brainer. I give it a shot. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, great. And it's, I mean, we grew the turkey tail. There are some benefits to that crazy storm. We had some trees come down and they grew turkey tail. <laughs> so it's, it's really there you nice. Go. Oh my gosh. We, we've got it right here. Yeah. Right. We wildcrafted right off of our own. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, you, great. All right. Have a good night. Good. You too. Green Thanks. blessing. Good night. You too. Bye. Okay, at this time, we do not have any callers with their hands raised. We do have some email questions, and I do see that our guest has uh, called in to the line as well. Well, why don't we just go ahead and introduce Delvin and jump right in with him because a little extra time is special. Delvin Sulkinson is a permaculture design teacher and a plant person from a tiny village in British Columbia, Canada. He has done a permaculture design course, diploma, and master's degree with Bill Mollison, the co-originator of permaculture. He has taken many advanced permaculture courses and teacher trainings, two other diplomas, and a doctoral degree in permaculture. He serves as the diploma program coordinator at the Permaculture Institute, and I have right here in front of me his permaculture design deck, which is an amazing art piece. Delvin lives and works at the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, where he serves the mission to build a sanctuary of visionary art to uplift the global community. He works with artists to create books, cards, and media on many creative projects, including his role as senior managing editor of Chapel of the Sacred Mirrors, Journal of Visionary Culture. At the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, he runs the Visionary Permaculture Design Program with his dear wife, Grace Sulkinson. On their websites, this love team offers many free permaculture learning resources, including books, cards, games, videos, podcasts, and articles. I'm so glad that you're going to be spending time with us tonight, Delvin. Wonderful. Welcome. Welcome. Did you get some of this beautiful snow? Yes, I'm just so close to you down the road, and it's just so beautiful to be in this winter wonderland once again. It is indeed. Um, Let's start really simply. Let's not assume that everybody listening to us even knows what permaculture is. So let's start there. Wonderful. Well, I like to think that permaculture is about how to design effectively and ethically. Uh, One of my mentors 
in the UK, Luby McNamara, kind of reminds me. At its core, it's really a method for manifestation. Permaculture is a method for manifestation. And so permaculture is not just about gardening or planting, but it's about living. Yeah, very much. And designing a life that we love and designing a really healthy life, which is one of the things I've learned so much from you. Well, that's a question in these questions that you gave me to ask you, which is how have Susan's teachings affected you and changed your life? So I'll ask you that one now. Well, I, I've been really enjoying this, listening to this last hour and a half, and there was a recent mention of some quotes, so I thought I'd try and sprinkle some in. And uh, one, of my, one, one of my favorites uh, that I've been thinking of lately is from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who says, nature is loved by what is best in us. And I, I really feel like that's one of the ways that your teachings have changed my life. You've really connected me to, to nature, and in doing so, you've connected me to parts of myself that I really love you know, and appreciate. So mm. it's, you know, mm. it's, it's really helped me to see my health in a new way, see my diet in a new way with uh, a lot of really practical down-to-earth uh, advice and practices and techniques. So that has really been life-changing for me. It seems so simple, but sometimes the simple things about how to to live well and enjoy life and and connect with the nature, both my inner nature and my outer nature, that has really affected me a lot, and I've really enjoyed all of our times together. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Um, you have a book that you're working on. Is that true? Yes, I've been working on it for actually 18 years, and it just keeps getting edited and refined uh, over time. And it's uh, I've been traveling the world and taking permaculture design classes from many elders of the permaculture movement, particularly in Australia and Tasmania, but also in Europe and throughout North America. And uh, at a, I've always been a student, and I take really good notes. And at a certain point, I realized hey, to really learn this stuff, I want need to teach it. I need to express it. I need to essentialize it in a way that deepens my learning but also enables me to share it with other people. So my kind of ongoing notes from all these permaculture classes uh, have gone into this book. And so it's kind of an interesting format. It's kind of like a book of notes, little wisdom drops, little facts uh, about design and designing your life uh, in alignment with nature. Ooh. Oh, I like it. So it's not some tome that one must sit down and study, but uh, more on the order of uh, something that one can mm, take a bit of and ponder over. At length. Yeah. Yeah, like bibliomance. Yeah. Mm. What a lovely, lovely way to share with us. Thank you. Mm. Well, because... I, I look contained... forward to whenever this book manages 
to make its way into reality. And as an author um, and a publisher, I know that uh, it happens when it, the book is ready for it to happen, not when we're ready for it to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, the I've printed many editions over this 18 years, and the, the last edition, the 2018 one, uh, was released. And I because it has so many teachings from my teachers, it's a book that I'm committed to just volunteering to produce. Uh, it's available as a free download online, but I also print sort of limited edition hard copy. But uh, this new edition I'm really excited about and actually contains uh, some piece that we worked on on sharing nourishing herbal infusions with the permaculture community in, in a large section on medicine that one of your other apprentices who I've taught with for many years in my little village in British Columbia, Kimchi, has uh, worked really hard on. I believe she came and did, uh, did some learning on the land directly with you a few years ago. She did, yes. How wonderful that the two of you are working together. It's been great. It's nice balance to have the uh, powerful feminine energy coming in to, to balance me. And the little village in British Columbia that you grew up in, is it in the north or the south of British Columbia? It's Somewhat in the south, it's near Vancouver. It's a, a little ferry ride from Vancouver up the mm. coast. So it's very much like an island because it's ferry access only. And uh, it is located, you know, it's only a, a couple hours, including the ferry to Vancouver. So it, it's near this big center, which helps with my permaculture teaching. But also because it's ferry access only, it's a, it was a really uh, a gentle place and um the base it's called Mount Elphinstone and there's a lot of ancient growth rainforest and uh, it's a really beautiful place. I miss it, but I'm glad I'm here out near you now in the Hudson Valley. Yes. The beautiful snow covered Hudson Valley. So um, you have a permaculture game. Yes. Yes, that is another of the tools that I've been developing, which is also free download online. Um, the idea is to turn your process of mapping and designing where you live into a game with movable parts. So this can be really helpful. You know, everyone, we're all in an ongoing process of how can we design our homes in alignment with uh, our values and alignment with, you know, saving time, energy, and money. And also those of us that have gardens or, you know, some herbs on the windowsill or any kind of uh, relationship with plants or animals or insects, for that matter, of how can we continue to upgrade the design to fulfill everything's needs and, and have an abundance of uh, beneficial products that can help us out. So this game supports people on their own or with their families or friends to uh, to think about, you know, where, where should the goat shed go or where would the bees best be placed or, or which indoor window would I put this herb that I want to grow inside in to make sure that it grows the best. Well, that's a fascinating game. I will have to check that game out. I've been living down at Pearls and uh, I 
don't really set up here at all for plants. And, of course, I've been fantasizing adding a greenhouse. But as I started checking it out, it, you know, suddenly, like, the whole impact of it just really, like, smacked me. So mm-hmm. here, here I am, you know, exactly feeling the very things that you're talking about, like, how do I make this vision reality without having um, such a big environmental impact? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lots of questions, and I don't have to start from jump on them. Lots of other people have considered these things, and you make that information accessible to us through your games. And so now when you say it's a free download, is that at um, visionarypermaculture.com? It is, yep. That's the website for the program here at Cosm Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. And, you know, my personal website is permaculturedesign.earth, which is also where it's available. And it's, you know, it also encourages people, they could create their own version of the game. I mean, I learned that game for Michael Becker as a design game of make a series of movable tokens representing elements in your system that you have or that you want, and then make a big design map. I mean, I have free downloads of these larger maps, but you can also use chalk or a stick in the in the soil and make your own property, you know, or draw it out on a big piece of paper with the kids and uh, put the elements you have on the, where they are and then have a bunch of elements that you might want and play around with thinking, where does this fit? How does this work together with other elements? You know, is there something if I put it close to, it'll work better? Or if I put it further away from that thing, it'll work better? Um, and you, it's, there's a design process that you can kind of go through that, creatively is stimulated by not just thinking about it, but by turning it into this picture game that can help you maybe explore ideas that you, you know, hadn't thought of before. I give myself a pat on the back almost every single day for putting my compost bucket directly to the left side of my cutting board where I can just scoop the vegetable leavings off into the compost bucket. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, my one of my mentors, Bill Mollison, the originator of permaculture in Tasmania, he has a quote about permaculture. He says, the core of permaculture is design and the working relationships and connections between all things, like that compost bucket and your cutting board. Exactly. Put it right where it needs to be so you don't have to go yeah. schlepping across the kitchen with it. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I was a little familiar with those things because for some reason I had decided that I wanted to build myself a house. And so I had to jump into design because you can't just build a house. You have to design it first. Yes. Unlike a garden where you can just kind of go out and plunk stuff in the earth without making a design. Sure, yeah. And because I was doing the project with all hand tools, I also discovered that you are never locked into a design, that if you come to a place where you decide you don't like your design, you can always change it. Exactly. So... These games help us, and they help us to 
cultivate what some people call pattern literacy. What is that? Yeah, exactly. I, I've gotten a lot of this from your teaching as well, and I guess it traces back to a lot of indigenous teachings. Um, essentially, it's looking at the world and breaking it down into two categories. And you could see everything in the world as, as part of one or the other pattern at a most basic level. One pattern is things that work, things that benefit you, things that promote your health, your happiness, you know, things that are effective. And then the other pattern at the most basic level is things that don't work, things that are unhealthy, things that cause challenges, uh, things that are not harmonious with uh, the world around you. And at the basis, permaculture is really training people as designers, because everyone is a designer, to be able to recognize when I eat this food and don't feel well, that's a pattern that I don't want, that I'm going to design out. Or when I take this herb in this particular way at this particular dose, it really supports me in some way. And so, hey, that's a pattern that I want to anchor in, like you've helped me anchor in uh, nourishing herbal infusions which has been a, a real deep uh, green blessing for my life. So at a basic level, we're really realizing that everything is made out of patterns and we have the ability to, to change those patterns and adapt. And the, the game, the goal of the designer is to, to create uh, the patterns for health and happiness and harmony. Hooray. That's what we all want. Happiness, harmony, wholeness, yes. Yes, how wonderful that so many people also want this. That it's not just the people who are listening and not just you and me, but that there's a huge number of people to whom this is very, very important. Mm -hmm. You have something in your program called the People's Diploma at the Permaculture Institute. What is it? Why would I want it? And what use would it be? Thank you, Susan. I really love your educational programs. I feel that being on a learning pathway of some kind, you know, not for everyone, but for many people, it provides a welcome structure, some goals, um, some things to do that help to support this ongoing process of learning and designing. The, the People's Diploma is part of the permaculture's educational offering, which often just starts with reading books or watching videos or listening to podcasts um, or experimenting in your own backyard or inside your own house. You certainly don't need to have a garden to practice permaculture. And from there, there's a couple more formal pathways for people that want to structure it a little bit more. There's a permaculture design certificate course. And the one that we offer here at COSM, I'm very grateful to say you are a, a wonderful and treasured uh, guest teacher on. And uh, we brought the last uh, couple groups to, to learn from you out in the beautiful wild world of your amazing property. And so that program is usually offered as a two-week course, but many people have broken it down. Uh, I offer it across a year, so it's uh, one or two days every month or two. Um, and then 
after this, there is this diploma program where if you've done a certificate, you can do uh, two or more years of applying permaculture design to your own life in any way that you wish, you know, in whatever way will benefit you. And certainly you don't need to take any of these formal programs to create a learning pathway for yourself. I mean, maybe all people listening today, they're on a learning pathway with herbalism. Certainly everyone's already on a learning pathway with design. So some people may choose to formalize it by taking classes, which I feel will bring great benefit. And other people may want to just create their own curriculum and, but still be actively setting goals and choosing books to read and people to learn from and, you know, ways to apply the learning because certainly information needs to be translated into wisdom through direct experience. Say that again. That was brilliant. <laughs> There's a quote. Maybe I'll try and find it. Uh, a, a wonderful quote. Oh, I got a quote here from, this is a good one. This year ringing a bell. I have this, my bank of hundreds of quotes just because of that uh, that <laughs> mentioning earlier in the talk. But um, this is something from another one of my teachers who I really treasure, Starhawk. Yes. He said, wisdom, wisdom and knowledge can best be understood together. Knowledge is learning, the power of the mind to understand and describe the universe. Wisdom is knowing how to apply knowledge and how not to apply it. Knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing whether or not to say it. Knowledge gives, <laughs> knowledge gives answers. Wisdom asks questions. Knowledge, knowledge can be taught. Wisdom grows from experience. Beautifully, beautifully put. Starhawk is an amazing teacher. And that is one of the premises of permaculture education, that it's, it's about taking this information that you learn and applying it in a unique and creative uh, context of your own life because your body and your life and your land and your house is similar on a pattern level to other people's but is also totally unique in your own. And so you're really the only one that can you know, take in this information, uh, this knowledge, and turn it into wisdom by applying it in your own unique way to your own life. So true. And I want to tell people again that they can get support for this at visionarypermaculture.com or permaculturedesign.com. Both of those will get you lots of support in a variety of ways, both from free goodies and, as Delvin is saying, from a little more rigorous work. My granddaughter and I walk um, up to the barn to do to milk the goats in the evening since I'm staying down at Pearl's. It's not a long walk, about an eighth of a mile, but it's just long enough to sing a song or have a little talk about something. And uh, so I was telling her that um, I, like all human beings, am very lazy. And um, that, in fact, all that our ancestors really ever wanted for us was that we have it easy. Mm -hmm. and, 
And because both our ancestors want us to have it easy and we want to have it easy, we must somehow work into our lives something that makes our lives a little tough. Mm-hmm. Like walking an eighth of a mile through the cold winter night to the barn. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes you don't want to put something right next to another thing. Sometimes you want to make it a little far away. Exactly. So that you goad yourself into doing that thing that oh, who wouldn't rather just sit by the fire and you know drink their hot chocolate instead of getting up and putting on your boots and slogging up to the barn mm-hmm. so make it yeah make and I, I see the the courses that you offer are, are like that you know that make just make it a little harder for yourself you know don't just make it the easy way don't just say oh yeah permaculture I'll read about that someday you know take a course and so that you have to kind of like mm, you know, get yourself pushed a little bit there. Yeah. What does it, yeah, what does it mean that you're a diploma tutor? I mentor and support people in their own context to apply permaculture design to something in your life. And, of course, we, just like with herbalism, we really want people to take the the art of design and and recognize and become empowered uh, for what everyone already is, which is a designer, and really take it into the most practical context of their own life. So for you know some people maybe it's really thinking about your your livelihood or your relationship with your partner, and think about the patterns, what works well, you know what isn't working well, what are needs. And how can you have those needs be met in a harmonious way? So really trying to support people to think of everything in their life as a design opportunity and a design challenge, something to really think about and put energy and intention to and, uh, and really consider, you know, observe and integrate those observations and create designs, create uh, practical applied plans for, you know, experiments often because you don't know what's ultimately going to happen but uh, you'll learn as much from your failures as your successes. But the idea is to keep evolving, keep becoming better, and keep uh, think about your life and systems as, as constantly changing and full of the potential for you to evolve and move forward with. That's certainly one of the very best things about being a gardener. Yeah. Is that, is that you learn that you're not going to succeed in everything every year. Absolutely. <laughs> and while a lot of it is out of, while a lot of it is out of your hands, the part of it is it, that's in your hands. You better do, or it's not going to work at all. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, there's a saying we have in permaculture. I think it's actually from Bill Mollison as well. Um, Once we start doing, we will know how to proceed. And part of <laughs> yeah. the opportunity. Part of the opportunity of permaculture is is to get off the couch and really start doing and trust, even if it feels overwhelming, you know, trust that the momentum, your own momentum will carry you forward once you start moving towards your goals. And that's really the art of manifestation. If you want something to happen, you want to have more plants in your life or you want to have more herbal practices in your life, there's steps that you need to take to achieve that. 
And you may not know all those steps when you start, but that's not a reason not to start. In fact, that's even more of a reason to start. You know, it's a leap of faith, but uh, everything in life is, I guess. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And the leap of faith usually winds up just where we want to be. Now, you've been mentioning COSM tonight, and I talked about the Church of Sacred Mirrors. And for those of you who are clever, you've already put that together. You went, oh, Church C-O-S, Sacred Mirrors, COSM, Church of Sacred Mirrors. Tell us a little bit more about COSM and your work there, please. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, we certainly are a church, um, although often the C stands for chapel, which relates to a a project that we're doing. Our mission is to build the Sanctuary of Visionary Art, which is a kind of temple museum gallery here in the Hudson Valley. And we're artists, and we're creatives, and we really support other people to tap into the, the healing power of creativity. So as a church, we feel that it's creative practices are one path to support people to connect in their own unique way with uh, the divine or, or whatever you want to call it. So we really encourage people to write, to dance, to make music, to make art. Um, you know, it connects with this serenity medicine. It's really fulfilling and it enables there to be some kind of interconnection that might not happen otherwise. So it's very much about, it's an interface, sort of radically welcoming approach to um, sort of non-denominational spirituality in, in many ways. So we have a lot of art programs and, you know, we have the permaculture program. We have, uh, well, right now we're closed. We're close to the public. We're close to guests, but we have moved online, and we have a lot of podcasts and broadcasts um, that share the message of art and creativity. So it's a really fun and amazing place. You can, you know, it's easy to to understand why I would have moved out here from the paradise of my little coastal rainforest village in British Columbia, um, because it's so stimulating to be around a really passionate and driven, creative people whose mission is to support and inspire other people to really engage in their own creative practice. Yes, and I am—I know I'm not the only one who said that um, the workshop center there it has not been able to be open, but it's just one of the many kind of pouts that we are all enduring in the uh, COVID days, and it will come around again, that again we will enjoy the the Church of the Sacred Mirrors. And meanwhile, online, okay, sounds pretty good. You and Grace do a lot of product development there. Um, what's new and interesting? Well, there's a lot of great stuff going on. I mean, I'm help run Cosm Press, and we make books and cards and all sorts of printed materials. And uh, we're working with the 
director artists of the organization, Alex Gray and Allison Gray. So many of the offerings are sharing art in creative ways. I think one of the newest products that Grace developed is a puzzle, an art puzzle, one of Alex Gray's pieces of art. Um, the big project that I'm working on where I was working a few hours ago today is this large uh, temple museum. It is an old carriage house from the uh, 1880s, uh, 2,000 square feet, and it's using the original foundation. It's built out into this three-story, 14,000 square foot um, structure. And so we've been curating art and, and planning installations. And really, it's been, you know, a blessing. There's a silver lining to this challenging and curious time is that, you know, we have a lot of work to do to get open. And it's given us the time to really pour our creative intention into completing this gallery so we can open um, and welcome our community back in to enjoy and be uplifted by all this art. So that's been, that's not a product, but it's definitely a project and something that uh, has really been immersive uh, for me. A lot of my attention has gone into it. And how exciting that you have used this as an opportunity to bring that closer to completion. Yeah, I've, I'm super grateful. You know, it's, there is challenges during this time. And I also tend to be an optimist, which often permaculture people are, because one of the principles of permaculture is positivism. And uh, one of the silver linings is to really take this design time to think about all of these things that I've wanted to do, but have been so busy, you know, engaging with the world in the way that I did previously. Uh, and with this space, I've thought of this sequestration as a kind of sabbatical uh, and an opportunity to focus more inwardly and on projects like reading and, and writing and making art and uh, really engaging some of the, those things that uh, were not urgent but important. But because they weren't urgent, you know, I didn't make enough time for so we, we set up a little garden at our doorstep at this farmhouse. We're renters, but we set up a little garden and we looked at some herbs and medicinal plants that we wanted to have a closer relationship with. And we put those right outside of our door. So every time we come where we go, we interact with them. So that's something that we wanted to do. And we just found the time to do it this year. So I'm hoping that people out there are continuing to discover uh, and find joy in manifesting things in their life that maybe they've always wanted, but haven't quite had the time to manifest. I think that the vast majority of people who are listening to you right now are either saying, yes, that's me. I've really been using this time in that way. Or why didn't I think of that? I'm going to go do that right now. <laughs> that's great yeah it's really about you know activating permaculture is really about activating uh, motivation and passion in people to make positive changes in their life and uh, it is simple but it's profound I mean oh here's another quote actually it relates to that uh, Leonardo da Vinci said simplicity 
is the ultimate sophistication. And he would know. <laughs> but it is really, I think, about getting down to earth and thinking about, hey, it's in some ways it's as simple or as complex as, as what are your needs, what do you want, and how can you uh, design your life to move towards those things and ultimately to manifest them. It's wonderful when we can see that it really is simple and that really the hardest work that we have to do is um, what you're saying is, you know, trust and stay positive. Or as somebody once said to me, you know, when you go in a restaurant in order, you don't go back and hoover over the chef. You trust that your meal will come out. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and I think about how often, you know, we, we put out a request to the universe and then hoover over it. And, you know, what she was saying was, no, put out your request and move on. It will, it, you know, it sometimes takes a while, but it will come around. Yeah, absolutely. And there's other things that will will manifest as well. Um, Helen Keller, the uh, beautiful, famous blind woman, she said, when we do the best we can, we never know what miracle is wrought in our life or in the life of another. Mm. So I love that. You know, it's also when we work hard towards our goals, we manifest other things that weren't our goal but are delightful and wonderful upgrades nonetheless. Yes, exactly. So what haven't we talked about that you were hoping we would talk about? It's been amazing to connect with you. I'm, I'll maybe state an intention that's something I wanted to say while I had you and everyone because I feel like designing is very much about intention setting, and I'm really excited to – continue along my learning journey with you as a teacher and uh, I'm looking forward to an article that we're collaborating on uh, right now for the permaculture magazine in the UK and uh, my intention is to continue to learn from you from a distance and also since you're close by you know as the fog clears here I really look forward to spending more time on your beautiful property with you and also bring you uh, bring you here to teach. So I'm, I'm looking for, I'm happy where I am now, but I'm really looking forward to our collaborations ahead and, and time that we're going to get together. Yes, I am too. So we have come to the point in the show where I ask you that question, which is what do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everybody who's listening to you? I think another quote would be a good finish and maybe a comment on it. Um, my mentor in T- Tasmania, I did my master's through Bill Mollison said, though the problems of the world are increasingly complex, the solutions remain embarrassingly simple. And I think my, the message of permaculture is to really get practical and break things down to small steps and all of these big, huge intense goals that we may have that seem far away can really be brought into the present moment and and turned into a series of small steps that are very, very achievable. So I encourage everyone to to move forward on their path as designers because we're all constantly designing our life. And uh, 
do so successfully and, and create the life that you want, the inharmonious one. www.visionarypermaculture.com www.permaculturedesign.earth Thank you, Delvin, for all the work that you do in helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients and to make it easier for everybody to design the life and the garden that they want. Thank you, Sarah Ellen, for being here to help me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And thank you, Justine, and everybody who's listening. Good night.